often vulgar, always explicit, and sometimes funny. Slap box. Slap box. Welcome to the Slapbox Podcast. This is episode 478. I am your host, Josh Albrecht, sitting inside the Slapbox penthouse once again. Still not much of a penthouse, I guess. It's still pretty pretty bare. I don't have anything on the walls. Just got this uh, Ireland hoodie on. Got from Ireland back in the day. Now, it's been several years since I've been there. I do have rocks in front of me from Ireland. It's I'm hoping that luck will shine upon me some manner in the future to where I'll be able to go back to the Emerald Isle. But, uh, I guess I'm more concerned about that than, uh, making the penthouse a little bit more, uh, exciting, shall we say. But, uh, here we are. <laughs> and, uh, this is, uh, after James T. Kirk. The Captain Kirk, Mr. William Shatner, made his way into space. The 90-year-old William Shatner, which uh, I believe makes the oldest person to go to space. as uh, He has boldly gone where no other 90-year-old human has gone. We'll just say that we know, that we're aware of, you know, that we're aware of. I should say that because, you know. I mean, the government now has come out and said that UFOs, that there are definitely unidentified flying objects out there that could potentially be aliens. So perhaps it's possible that alien abductions have happened to 90-plus-year-old people and they've left the atmosphere. This could have happened. This could have happened. But this would be the first (laughs) that I'm aware of, or the first, uh, I mean, I guess the first, uh, astronaut sort of situation that uh, the human race has sent out into the atmosphere. Unless you believe that the you know Atlantis was that far advanced that there was a, a you know city of Atlantis, the you know civilization known as Atlantis. But uh, yes, Captain Kirk has gone to space. Mr. Bill Shatner, which I am not a fan of Jeff Bezos. I think he's an awful fucking person. Uh, but it was pretty cool of him to uh, pretty cool of him to take Captain Kirk, Captain James T. Kirk, out to uh, space. Uh, <laughs> but there's uh man, that's oh. Here's all kinds of articles, obviously, on it. As uh, CNN's got some stuff about it. Wait, what is this? This could this could be interesting. Oh, how space researchers knew that 90-year-old William Shatner didn't have to worry about his age. Now I gotta say, man, he looks damn good for 90. I mean, I, just being alive, I guess, at 90s, no big deal. But uh. He doesn't look a day over 89. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, he does look good for 90. Um, here it says uh, on CNN Business, uh, 
William Shatner, the 90-year-old actor of Star Trek fame, endured a 10-minute rocket-powered ride to the edge of space, which put his body through crushing G-forces that his fellow passengers described as face-bending, only to step out of the vehicle and immediately begin waxing poetic about the experience and dodging a champagne shower. In that moment, at least one thing became certain. Yes, a non-agenarian can be an astronaut. Shatner became the oldest person ever to travel to space when his vessel, a sub suborbital orbital space tourism rocket built by Blue Origin, which just, by the way, is a complete, it's a dick. There's, there's never been a shuttle that looks more like a dick than a Blue Origin. Uh... <laughs> The rocket built by Blue Origin there. It's uh, the company funded by Amazon billionaire Jeff Bezos brushed the boundary of Earth's atmosphere and vaulted him into weightlessness. And Shatner's oldest in-space record bested the one set only a few months earlier by Wally Funk, who was previously denied the opportunity to fly by NASA in the 60s before she joined Bezos on his own Blue Origin flight in July at the age of 82. Uh, But while Shatner described the payoff of floating above Earth as profound, getting there isn't always the most comfortable. (laughs) Oh, that is like an exciting trip. Uh, I don't think it... uh, I feel it's a lot more likely that I could find my way back to Ireland, but I don't think I'm ever going to make it to space. Uh, But uh, Chris Bow... Boschwizen, a co-founder of satellite company Planet Labs, flew alongside Shatner, said that as their Blue Origin dove back into the Earth's thick atmosphere from the vacuum of space, it was as if there were a stone slamming into a body of water. When a stone hits a lake, it stops and then it sinks. Boschwizen told reporters... I'm probably butchering that name. Uh, So we literally hit the atmosphere and stopped, and it was about 5 Gs. Wow. I've never experienced that. I was trying to smile, but my jaw was pushed back into my head. Private space companies have pledged for years to open up spaceflight to more people, but Americans are used to imagining astronauts as people in prime physical condition, siphoned out of competitive selection processes like those overseen by NASA. So is it really safe for just anyone, even a 90-year-old, to go to space? And it says, yeah, a series of studies in the 2010s sought to answer such question questions. Researchers put people with pre-existing medical conditions, including elderly men with heart conditions, into a spinning centrifuge to simulate the G-forces the body is subjected to during a trip to space. I guess it went well. Uh, oh, man, there's the picture of the dick going to space. That That is, like, completely a dick. At least it's... They should at least, you know, maybe give it a little bit of foreskin there. I mean, that is a very circumcised dick. It, well, you know, hide, hide that tip a little bit. Come on. <laughs> there's kids watching this. Uh, yeah, but it says here, subjects were strapped into a small capsule attached to a massive metal arm. Uh, that can swing the capsule around in a circle that faster it spins, the higher the G-forces pressing into the passenger grow, much like the carnival rides that pin passengers to the wall of a spinning circle by rotating the circle at high speeds. 
When the centrifuge is stopped, passengers inside could be said to be experiencing 1G or normal gravity on Earth. At 2G, they feel like they uh, weigh twice their body weight. At 5G, a 200-pound person feels like they weigh 1,000 pounds. Oof. Ouch. Uh, Donoville pointed to these uh, to three specific studies that saw people with a broad range of ages, physical conditions, and ailments endure up to 6G. Oh, so we're good. That's that's good. Uh, they were fine. They were perfectly fine, Donoville uh, said. The only thing that was a cons- of concern when they did those studies was really anxiety and definitely claustrophobia. I could see how that'd be a problem. It's not like you can, uh, you know, I'm going to step outside this shuttle for a minute. I need a breather. I need to uh, <laughs> get in some space. In one 2015 paper, researchers said as many as 14% of subjects in one experiment suffered anxiety to sevi- so severe that it interfered with their ability to complete their centrifuge training. It wasn't easy to predict who might respond that way even when pre-existing anxiety conditions were taken into account. According to the paper, the report called for more research into the area and suggested possible treatments such as therapy and medication. Uh, but yeah. But uh, it does say, for its part, Blue Origin does put some limitations on who can fly aboard New Shepard, its suborbitable space tourism rocket. I don't know why I'm having such a problem saying that tonight. But uh, including an age requirement that tourists be 18 years or older, uh, be between 5 foot and 6 foot 4. I'm good there. And 110 pounds and 200, between, I guess, 110 pounds and 223 pounds. Be in good enough physical shape to climb seven flights of stairs in a minute and a half. I should be. Ooh, I'm I'm in on that. The stair climb is no joke. Blue Origin passengers must rapidly climb what's called the gantry, a tower that allows the crew to access their capsule as the 60-foot-tall rocket sits on the launch pad, brimming with fuel and ready to blast off out of its big cock. Um, <laughs> it's about to shoot all over the place. Uh, Shatner quipped about scaling the tower after his flight, saying, Good Lord, just getting up the bloody gantry. <laughs> uh, but Donneville said she believes even little kids could potentially be blasted into outer space without concern on an otherwise safe rocket ride. Any part where like kids and being blasted out, like it's it doesn't sound great. We're going to blast these kids out into space. It's <laughs> blasted. That just doesn't sound safe, you know? Uh, <laughs> says, I actually have no concerns about children flying, she said. As long as they're big enough to fit in the seats, the same thing as going on a roller coaster ride. You must be this tall to ride this ride. If you're not, just find a Zoltar machine, wish on it, and then uh, then you can also later on become a uh, you know vice president in a toy company. So there's that you could do. Um <laughs> Good God, yeah. The, the article goes on, but yeah, nothing. I get it. Yeah, it was safe for him to come out. They uh, they they tested it on other old people before they put Captain James T. Kirk out there. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it would be cool to do. I don't think I will ever uh, be able to do that. As I cannot see in my lifetime, space travel be becoming cheap enough uh, for, you know, the average person. If it 
if it would in my lifetime, I think it's going to be a long time from now. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be fucking old as dirt if it becomes somewhat affordable. 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 But, uh, yeah. Uh, let's try to see if there's anything else. Um, I know I've watched the video. He was he was really excited. The Bill Bill Shatner, Mr. Shatner. Um, let's uh, ooh, he's got uh, Mr. William Shatner is on Instagram. Let's see what kind of pictures he's got here. The the country and the large cock that he went into space on. Imagine he's got the large cock, big big hard cock. Uh, net, well, I guess he doesn't really post that much. On, on the old uh, Instagram, there there's a couple of pictures here, but not a whole lot. Maybe it's because I'm not signed in on here. That could be. That could be. Uh, yeah, it's because I'm not signed in. You bastards. So I won't be. Won't be doing it on there. That's uh. <laughs> Damn it. I did uh right before uh recording this I uh was watching an infographics uh video, uh, video <laughs> about the actual plan the United States military has for the zombie apocalypse and it's good to know it's good to know that we're we're prepared we are prepared for the zombie apocalypse. Uh, and that is a hard to read deal. Um, there's a... <laughs> oh, here's the Wikipedia page. Um, I guess con, con op is maybe one of the terms used for it. Con op 8888. Uh, also known as counter zombie dominance. It's the U.S. Department of Defense Strategic Command CONOP document that describes a plan for defending against zombies. The April 30th, 2011 document depicts fictional scenarios of zombie attacks for training students in military planning. It's fun to know that it was, uh, or interesting to know, rather, that it was created in 2011, which I believe I'm going to have to look this up, but that might be the, was it the year of The Walking Dead or like year after? That it originated. Oh, 2010 is when Walking Dead came out. A year later, like, you know what? We need to put a plan into effect to how to deal with these fucking zombies. So The Walking Dead, I'm sure, helped inspire this plan. Um, Wow, they don't really have any details on the goddamn thing. Go to the document. The document's pretty crazy. Um, Let's see here. Here we go. There's an input mag has got an article on it. It's called uh, Here's the Pentagon's Very Real Zombie Outbreak Contingency Plan. This article is written by Andrew Paul. Um, shit, and they use some font that's really hard to read on here. Uh, <laughs> apparently, I guess this was just like started as like a training kind of thing to like write up a plan, but there's apparently some seriousness to it. Uh, the Pentagon 
Pentagon has a bona fide training exercise paper on how to properly combat and subdue a zombie uprising. It says here, yes, we're as surprised about this as you are, but gotta say, not really surprised. I mean, from what I understand, you know, they draw up plans like this for all kinds of scenarios. Now, if they're going to actually, you know, invest into (laughs) doing such thing is another thing. I know that there was a serious plan, uh, I guess in the 50s, to nuke the moon, which seems a little bit more crazier that, like, they were ready to do so, which could kill us all. Fun fact, you know, throw off the tides, could do a lot of bad shit to us if we nuke the fucking moon. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to zombies. Compiled and written back in 2011 by junior officers at the U.S. Strategic Command, the document entitled Counter Zombie Dominance, aka Con Plan 8888, outlines potential government responses to various scenarios featuring all manners of zombies, living dead, and reanimated flesh-craving ghouls. Because it's good to know. It's good to know. There could be some virus eventually that turns us into some zombies. Uh, this plan was... or Whoa, this what it says here. This plan was not actually designed as a joke. Reads the first sentence of the paper's disclaimer. While training uh, augmentees from a local training squadron about the joint operational planning process... Members of a U.S. Stratcom component found out by accident that the hyperbole involved in writing a zombie survival plan actually provided a very useful and effective training tool. Yeah, see, it's about training. Uh, If this plan... Holy shit. This fucking website is... uh, Okay, if (laughs) this plan helps illustrate how JOPP works... Brings a smile of brief laugh in the process. So much the better. Disclaimer adds, this is true. There are some gems in there, like the meticulous breakdown of various zombie types, which this is pretty good. They've got, uh, including evil magic zombies. That's good that they throw that in there, because that seems the most viable, right? Uh, space zombies. Vegetarian zombies. And the only real-world zombies, chicken zombies. Yes, they're real and horrifying. But, and apologies for being a downer here, some ConPlan 8888's implications are about as terrifying and in line with its pre-existing cinematic government responses. Uh, martial law, but just for funsies. <laughs> for starters, let's call a spade a spade here. ConPlan 8888 is essentially an outline of the pros, cons, and strategies involved in Im- implementing martial law across the country in the event of an unmitigated environmental disaster. A smile or brief laugh may have been possible at one point in our pre-pandemic lives, but as it stands today, all we really see right now is the collective smirk on a bunch of armed military personnel's faces while they toss some more tear gas into crowds of Minneapolis protesters for the sake of restoring law and order. It's much easier to deploy brutal force during citizen unrest when you can think back on ConPlan 8888's Evil Magic Zombies. Subcategory and promptly other everyone uh, promptly other everyone in front of you? That's a bit of a typo I think there. Um, 
Says nuke first, ask questions later. Also, U.S. Stratcom seems really keen on pressing that shiny red nuclear launch button. Although CD Russ Stratcom, oh, CDR U.S. Stratcom, I guess how you say it, has no geographic AOR area of responsibility and has no specified combat roles against zombies. He is the only CCDR, that is Combat Combatant Commander, in control of nuclear weapons, which are likely to be the most effective weapons against the hordes of the undead. feel like you're going to kill more than just the undead there, though. Um, We're not saying the government doesn't need better contingency plans for the world's worst-case scenarios. Look around you, but trying to memify atrocities really isn't the best way to go about things. Hey, at least we know these mystery drones flying around Colorado aren't a bunch of junior officers horsing around, though. Or do we? <laughs> uh, I get, yeah, okay, that's the end of the article. There's not, I thought there'd be, like, more to this article. I don't want to, like, the document itself is, like, really long. There's no reading that. Um, I was hoping for, like, a some kind of a, you know, bullet points, maybe. <laughs> Give me some brief points. Apparently, you know, nukes are in the work. Like, nuke a city. Uh, there's no, damn it. I'm trying to find somewhere. It just gives me, like, bullet points. Let's just, you know, what are the first things? I mean, obviously, you're going to have to contain the zombies. That's a big thing. I know I watched the infographics video, which was entertaining. There's, they've got some good stuff over there in infographics. Um, you're going to have to kill them quickly. They're, uh, I know that burning the bodies of the the undead, is uh, they recommend that to you know kill off virus, which is a common thing. And you look at uh, Indi- when India was getting extremely hard hit by COVID, they were like burning the bodies, I believe. I think, if I remember correctly. Um, but uh, that's, a, I believe, a common thing when you have infected to get rid of them. So that seems like a, like the thing to do with the undead. You don't want them reanimating after you've already taken them down. Uh, twice, possibly. Because you could have killed them before they were undead. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's a very important thing to always remember. That a machete doesn't need to be re- reloaded. So if you're in the zombie apocalypse, that is a very important thing. Very important thing. And it, I would be leery to try out any zombie brothel once one pops up. It seems risky, shall we say. STDs might be the least of your worries. AIDS, chlamydia, you know. You know, I, I might choose that over being a reanimated corpse. A walking zombie, as it were, a a dead walking walking dead thing, a walker. Yeah, that was what I was looking for. A walker. I'm thinking of all the terms that they've called it in the Walking Dead. As you, you meet uh, different clans and sh- such, they have uh, different terms for it, which I love in the Walking Dead. It seems that no in that world, zombie movies don't exist. And so nobody knows what to call these things. You think that somebody would have had a comic book or something 
But not in that world. Not in that world. <laughs> they just call them walkers. Zombie's not a term that they ever use. Um, yeah, shit happens here, though. I'm thinking we're going to be calling them zombies. I'm sure we'll have all kinds of terms to call them. Uh, apparently, too, you could just, like, take this plan and, you know, use it for if, like, alien invasion happens. And, you know, you could modify it a little bit. As uh, apparently that's, there's, you know, plans for that. Which seems like a more, th- something more that you might want to have a contingency plan other than, you know, blowing up the moon. Uh, there's, uh, I wonder, I'm sure there's probably other crazy army plans. There's, uh, hmm, hmm, <laughs> hmm. Five insane military projects that almost happen. This is uh, this could get interesting. Um, I know I was th- seeing a thing uh, the other day. I think it was another infographics YouTube where uh, the CIA it was like crazy CIA operations, and they were uh, putting microphones surgically implanting microphones into cats so they could spy on. I believe it was the Russians during the Cold War. Uh, but they, they didn't have any luck getting cats to, you know, do what they want them to do. Like, Hey, go, go hang around this person, you know, and it wasn't working out. It wasn't working out. Cats, they, uh, they do their own thing. That's why I like cats so much. They just do their own thing. They're like, fuck you. (laughs) And, but we're just kind of fucked up. They surgically implanted these microphones into cats. Um, and set is, uh, like the first one that they tested out in the field immediately got hit by a car. wonder what the audio sounded like on that. Uh, okay. So this is a, a website. We are the mighty.com, uh, which I, you know, sounds like a real legit site. I'm sure everything on here is 100% true, but either, <laughs> you know, even if it's not either way, this is a, the article is uh, Five Insane Military Projects That Almost Happened, uh, written by Emma Leem. This is uh, last July, recent article. Um, ooh, number one. Winston Churchill's plan for a militarized iceberg. That doesn't seem like a great idea. I mean, uh, so uh, it's going to be really fucking cold on there and, like, hard to <laughs> feel bad for those troops. Uh Everyone knows that Winston Churchill is a certifiable badass. His military strategy in World War II led to the Allied victory over the Nazi regime and has secured him a spot amongst history's greatest leaders. Just look over the fact of the shit he did in India. We'll just gloss over that. (laughs) There's some awful shit. But anyway, what few people know, however, is that Churchill's most glorious military scheme never saw the light of day. And for good reason. It was insane. What exactly was the Bulldogs' grand plan, you may ask? To create the largest aircraft carrier the world had ever seen and to make it out of ice. <laughs> uh, yes, you read that right. Churchill's dream was to create a 2,000-foot-long iceberg that would literally blow the Axis powers out of the water. The watercraft dubbed Project Habakkuk, <laughs> Habakkuk uh, was going to be massive in every way. The construction plans called for walls that were 40 feet thick and a keel depth of 200 feet, displacing approximately 2 
million tons. I guess that's supposed to be million tons. There's a zero missing. There's two comma zero zero comma zero zero zero. I'm guessing that's supposed to be two million. They just left out a zero. Uh, tons of water. Habakkuk was no ice cube. Eventually, the Brits realized that frozen water may not be the hardiest building material and opted to replace it with uh, picrete, a blend of ice and wood pulp that could deflect bullets. Despite the fact that this this plan sounds like something out of a bad sci-fi movie, Habakkuk almost happened. It wasn't until a 60-foot-long, 1,000-ton model was constructed in Canada that people realized how freaking expensive this would be. The 1940s were a strange time. A full-sized Habakkuk would cost $70 million. could only get up to about six knots, and at the end of the day, Germany could still potentially melt the thing though it probably would probably take the rest of the war to make a dent in this glacier. Um, I think I may have heard of this one before. Napalm packing suicide bomber bats is number two. Um, I know I've heard of a lot of things with bats. Uh, like there's, I don't remember, I think the Japanese were one of the people that had uh, plans for like uh, bats carrying, I believe, uh, I don't know it was anthrax, but some sort of uh, bacterial, you know, uh, <laughs> whatchamacallit, warfare. Uh, <laughs> biological warfare agents, you know, so, something along those lines. They, uh, but uh, this is okay. Firebombs were a huge threat during the height of World War II and an excellent weapon to wield against unwitting enemies. Horrific damage done to London and Coventry during the London Blitz is prime example of the power the weapon of war had when used on England and other allied nations. Blah, blah, blah. Determined to one-up the Axis forces, President Franklin Roosevelt... uh, Oh, they don't put his full name. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. There, you know. Put that in there. Put the Delanor in there. FDR approved the plans for an even better bomb, one that was smaller, faster, and furrier. That's right. The plan was trap tiny explosives to tiny live bats. Why people thought this would be a good idea is anyone's guess. The guy who proposed the scheme wasn't even military. He was a dentist. What well, sounds... I'm sure he had a lot of experience. Uh... And he was a friend of FDR's wife, Eleanor, but uh, America didn't care about that. It was time to blow the shit out of Japan, and they were going to do it with the one weapon Japan didn't have. Flying rodents. I guess maybe it wasn't Japan that came up with the uh, bat thing. Maybe I'm getting several things like mixed up in my head. Uh, FDR consulted with zoologist Donald Griffin with for his professional opinion for giving an official green light, apparently worried this so crazy it just might work idea might just be plain old insane. Griffin was a little skeptical too, but ultimately thought the whole bat thing was too cool to pass on. This proposal seems bizarre and visionary at first glance, he wrote in April of 42, according to The Atlantic, but extensive experience with experimental biology convinces the writer that if executed completely competently it would have every chance of success uh aces griffin uh the official strategy was to attach napalm explosives to each individual bat store about 1000 bats in large bomb safe crates and release about 200 of those crates from a b29 bomber 
as it flew over Japanese cities that meant up to 200,000 bats could be unleashed at once, which would be terrifying even if they weren't on a suicide mission, which I guess, yes, this is what I heard. Um, wasn't, I guess, a biological weapon, just napalm. Um, after they were released in the air, these little angels of death would roost inside buildings on the ground. Then after a few uh, hours, their explosives would detonate, igniting the building, causing total chaos. At least that was the plan. In reality, the bats were a little too good at their job and escaped <laughs> to nest under an American Air Force Base's airplane hangar during an experiment. You can guess how that went. Surprisingly, the incineration of the building didn't put a damper on the operation. People were just more convinced of the bats' volatility and excited to see them used in real combat. Fortunately, or fortunately, let's be real, the U.S. never got to add weaponized bats to its military repertoire. It was decided that equipping small flying animals with napalm bombs could yield unpredictable results. No shit. Uh... And the investment wouldn't be worth any possible military gains. Shucker. Uh, there was a gay bomb that would cause enemies to make love, not war. Well, that just seems a bit kooky. Uh, there's there's a lot going on here. Oh, I, I've heard of this one before, too. There's the B.F. Skinner's Pigeon Guided Missile System, which, uh, <laughs> why, why would you do this shit, all the animals, man? You got it's got to take a long time to train these animals. Um, let's see here, America tried to take out the Viet Cong with clouds. <laughs> oh, this experiment did happen apparently. Uh, I'm guessing it didn't work. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, and that was uh, they didn't talk about like Stalin's monkeys. He had a thing where he wanted a monkey army. Like, there's just fucking monkeys ripping your fucking face off. Uh, yeah, there's a... Uh, looking for a... Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's this is the weekend of uh, Halloween, uh, the movie, the new Halloween movie. <laughs> Halloween ki- Kills? What is it? Halloween... I think that's a lazy name, but I think it is like Halloween Kills. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis back at it again. Yeah, it's Halloween Kills. That's come on. It just makes me think machete. Uh, I do like it as Jamie Lee Curtis and Judy Greer. I'm a th- I like Judy Greer a lot. I mean, she's in fucking uh, Archer, which uh, she's great in Archer, and. Uh, I believe she isn't she uh, I think she's in arrest development. She's been a lot of shit. A lot of shit. Uh but there's uh <laughs> I haven't watched a whole lot of the trailer. I mean it looks like it could be an interesting movie. I haven't watched a horror movie theater in I guess a couple of years now. The last one I guess I saw was the last Halloween movie. I put or no? Trying to think. I don't know that I even watched that in the theater. I might have just watched that. I might have gotten that off the PlayStation Network back when they would fucking let you get movies on the PlayStation Network. I have that on my... Yeah, I think I... Yeah, I waited until it was out. That's a shame. I like the mask on the Halloween Kills. The uh, Speaking of William Shatner, that is, of course, if you're... 
I mean, if you're a fan of Halloween, I'm sure you're aware of the uh, Michael Myers mask is a uh, William Shatner mask just painted white, and then uh, they darken up the hair, too, to make it look more black. It's a Bill, Billy Shatner mask. And uh, they should shoot it out into space now. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't really even know. I, I mean, I guess it's pretty much the same plot of any... Uh, Halloween movie, except for part three, which does not involve Michael Myers. That one, I forget, they had like these pumpkins that affected people. I don't really remember. It was uh, some some queer, crazy factory thing that was turning people to kill. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember a whole lot of the details. It was, I guess, in Plainfield. There was uh there was something yeah I'm trying to remember and it, it's not working out for me let's see Halloween kills Halloween kills 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 I did like there's that one shot and they kind of ruined it in the trailer for the last Halloween film uh they've got the trailer where well I mean it's in the film but there's a scene where uh somebody's in a urinal and Michael Myers comes up to the urinal and then drops the... He killed somebody else and he's got all their teeth and drops the teeth over the urinal. Or not the urinal. It's a toilet stall. Not a urinal. Uh, but they... like He puts his hand over over the stall and uh, drops the teeth in. That's a, a great visual. It was an okay movie. I like the look of it. It's very dark looking and such. Which, uh, they also, fun fact, on Netflix right now, they do the, uh, movies that made us. They talk about, like, big movies. What led up to the creation of that movie, and they just put out their third season, and Friday the 13th and Halloween are both in there. I think, no, I'm not sure if Nightmare on Elm Street is in there or not. I know Scream, I think. I think Scream might be in there. I think there's several, like, horror movies since, you know, it is. Halloween at all. Let's see here. We got the trailer here for Halloween Kills. Classic music. That John Carpenter shit. Oh, what the hell? There's a creepy man in a white mask. Where? And he keeps, like, trying to play hide and seek with us. Where did you see him? Look! Run! Go now! Mimic a shot from the original there. He breaks open a car door and window. Set the fire. No one told you. Told me what? Michael Myers is alive. A man couldn't have survived that fire. Michael Myers. Forty years ago, the boogeyman came for us. We are the survivors of Michael Myers. Lori, what do we do? We fight. Mom. Lori Strode. We'll kill him. We're gonna hunt him down and we're gonna put an end to this. He is not gonna stop killing until we stop him. 
If you track Michael's victims, that's a straight line to Michael's childhood home. Oh, always back to that house. Always back to where it starts. Apparently it's an old couple that lives there now. For me, but I'm coming for him. like when they take his mask off there was the rob zombie sequel the h2 or whatever and there was uh you know he takes the mask off in that and i think i want to say he even talks in that one which is like no 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 don't do that fuck you don't which i really enjoyed rob zombie's first halloween movie i thought that was fucking great and the actor, which I don't know his name, but the the guy they had played Michael Myers is just so fucking huge and intimidating in that. And I love how the whole sequence at the beginning, too, with Michael Myers killing his family in the beginning. And then I love the uh, when he's at the insane asylum where Danny Trejo, the great, amazing Danny Trejo, is in there as he is a custodian, I believe. Working at the insane asylum. Uh, while he's there, Michael is making all those masks, and you see all the cool fucking masks on the walls, and he's constantly wearing a mask. And in that one, he never takes a goddamn mask off, which he should not. We should not. It put you know when you have I think what makes like the Michael Myers mask so I guess terrifying and stuff. And iconic is that it makes the fear almost like faceless, you know. It's like this this white, whiter than white, and blank. Like there's not much definition going on on Will Shat- William Shatner's face after they, they painted it white and everything. And with that, you can just put any anything on it. I mean, it is... Uh, I don't know. There's uh I like the what they the look of uh the mask in this one though. It's all burnt up and shit after the fire. He looks uh <clears throat> He looks good. He looks good. He's got to be old as fuck by this point. I guess he would be he'd be like in his 60s somewhere. And you'd think you'd think that uh you know He'd slow down a little bit. Maybe he wouldn't be so angry. Maybe he wouldn't uh, be able to kill people so so uh, so well. I did see a thing the other day, which it seems like every time you turn around, somebody's convinced that they know know this. So I I don't put a whole lot of stock in this, but apparently they claim now they they know. Well, some people claim now that they know for sure who the Zodiac killer is. But I've heard that before, and it's been different people. So I don't. I'm not. I don't even think it's worth really looking that up. Uh, there was something else I was going to. Oh, yeah, uh, Friday the 13th. Um, the lawsuit. Uh, 
has been, I believe it's over. Um, let's see here. News. I believe, I want to say, I feel like, uh, yeah, here we go. Here's uh, two weeks ago. Is the Friday 13th lawsuit over? Victor Miller reclaims domestic rights, which for horror fans, I mean, this is big news, especially, you know, it's, uh, you know, Halloween is a couple of weeks away here. Love me some Halloween. Uh, <clears throat> says here, this is off, uh, 1428 Elm street or elm.com. Uh, Friday 13th fans know that we hadn't had a new entry in the franchise in more than a decade now. The reason for this comes down to a bitter lawsuit between the original writer of the 1980 film, Victor Miller, and director Sean S. Cunningham. In 2016, Miller told Cunningham and the production company Manny Incorporated that he planned to terminate uh, copyright. Writers sometimes choose to do this because they no longer want their idea Milked for money, perhaps they think the studio has run their original vision into the ground. There are various reasons behind this decision. The crux of the lawsuit has come down to Cunningham arguing that Miller doesn't have legal grounds to terminate because he was hired to write the original script. Miller argued that he was an independent contractor, meaning he should retain authorship rights over the story. This thing has been going on for years now. Um which is sad. So yeah, since 2016, which I was so sad because it fucked up the uh, video game, which I really enjoyed. And they were going to put it out of Jason X stage. And uh, it kiboshed that because they couldn't put out more new content. Is this lawsuit, but as this update here we have, uh, in the most recent update in the lawsuit, Hollywood Reporter shares that the second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals granted him the win in his copyright termination battle on Thursday, Thursday of when this article was written, uh, Victor Miller will reclaim the domestic rights to the franchise he helped create. Did Victor Miller win the Friday the 13th lawsuit? Yes, but there is still a long way to go before we might see Jason Voorhees carving up people with a machete on the big screen again. That sucks. Uh, in 2018, a federal judge ruled it was not a work made for hire and that, and thus could not terminate the copyright on, on his work. Miller appealed that decision and won. The recent decision from the circuit court decided Miller was an independent contractor and thus maintains authorship rights. He will reclaim the domestic rights to the franchise. In short, the second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals rejected Cunningham's argument that Miller was hired to contribute uh, his screenplay. And who owns the rights to Jason? Uh, this is where things get a little more complicated. Right now, Miller just owns the domestic rights to the original 1980s screenplay that doesn't necessarily include the full-grown Jason Voorhees who took over killing from his mother, Pamela. Plus, he doesn't own foreign rights. Cunningham still retains those. Will there be a Friday the 13th movie in 2021? It's much to early to tell if there will be a, a movie in the future, although it seems inevitable that someday we will. But as of this year, there is nothing planned, and Miller doesn't have everything he needs to make another film or find another collaborator. Hopefully within the next year, Cunningham and Miller can work something out that will allow somebody to bring Jason back to the big screen. I, I fucking hope so, man. I hope so.
It's been too long. It was 20, shit, like 2013 or so, 2012, whenever that uh, reboot came out. I don't remember when that came out. It's been a long time. It's been, (laughs) it's been too long. Uh, There was, uh, I wonder if they, uh, I don't think like uh, Gun Gun Media, I believe is one of the developers for, uh, the game. <clears throat> and I believe they've said in the past that they won't be putting out uh, any more content even after the lawsuit ends. But you know, you never know, I guess. Maybe we could... Maybe with it ending and that uh, there would, uh, you know... They could put some kind of package together. If they, I mean, if they had it almost completed, which I know the shit has leaked out, and there's there's ways that you can play it online. Unlike PC, there's people that have put the shit out together, and you can you can play it. Um, I haven't played it, uh, but it would be cool. It'd be cool if uh, I I go back to playing. I haven't played it in a while. It's a fun game. It's a fun game. I never would have thought, too, like it would be fun to be like the camper, but it, it's fun to like try to like escape Jason. And uh, I haven't played it now in a couple of years. Uh, this is a... Uh, yeah, I'm not seeing anything about them re- releasing any... Uh, anything more. Um, or what? Hold on. The game. Uh, new content. I wonder if that will... Uh, oh, there is a F13game.com that's still... Do, are they still putting out news? <laughs> yeah, they haven't put anything on their tw- Twitter feed in a long time. Um... Yeah, here's the the uh, revealed canceled content, including Among Us, like mode. Oh, there was a oh yeah yeah because there was originally because uh, like part five in uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Five you had a lookalike. I I knew this was a, a game mode at one point. Like uh, the Among Us is a very popular game if you're unfamiliar, where uh, somebody's a killer and you're not sure who it is, and uh, if you don't find you know, the killer and like get get rid of them. Then they'll, then you lose. But uh, in part five, it was a uh, copycat. It wasn't actually Jason going around killing people. Turns out it was this guy named Roy. And there was a game where you had to figure out who was the killer. And so like uh, pretending to be Jason, basically. <clears throat> but do do do. Yeah, this is a IGN article on IGN. There's um Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know about the lawsuit. Just covered that. Uh Gun CEO Wes Keltner is taking on Twitter taking to Twitter to finally reveal exactly what he and his development team stopped working on when the Friday thirteenth legal kerfuffle erupted. Blah blah blah. Enough time has passed. Yeah, some of there was some co- 
unfinished content were uh, cosmetics like the Slumber Party clothing pack. Thought the counselors get a new sleepwear attire and a prom pack that turned Cramp- Camp Crystal Lake into prom night, complete with a visual overhaul for the level. Um, and the final content, which I, it did seem pretty exciting, there was a. Uh, Something called Paranoia, which was a new game mode featuring counselors, but no Jason. Players would have to find the Part 5 mask and then become Jason to begin hunting other players. If the player was killed in counselor mode, somehow their killer can pick up the mask and become Jason, and so on, so on. I feel enough time has passed to share these things with you, Keltner writes. Uh, I don't know now they're... Uh, now they are bittersweet. Some will lament. Some will think they are cool ideas. Some will be angry. I understand that anger. I feel it too. But I need you all to know that we loved the fr- this franchise and this game. We had big ideas for it. Friday the 13th was an enjoyable, asymmetrical person ver- versus person game where, uh, or player ver- PvP, player versus player, whatever, a uh, game where a player took on the role of Jason while the other players counselors forced to survive uh, new successors have risen in their place like Dead by Daylight and Predator Hunting Grounds which uh, Predator Hunting Grounds is fun but, oh they didn't this is all the information they gave that was it they didn't <laughs> uh, talking like Silvio Dante is here because I've been I've been watching the Sopranos ever since watching uh, Many Saints of Newark I just got watch, done watching them whack Big Pussy, uh, the end of season two is the last episode of season two, and I, <laughs> I, uh, I remember like Janice like shooting Richie, but uh, Richie Aprio, which is great. It's it it a great way to like take out Richie, who was just an evil bastard, and uh, but I had forgotten about Janice and Richie having sex. And Richie's holding a fucking gun to Janice's head while he's fucking her from behind. And then uh, <laughs> Janice is talking to Carmela, Tony's Tony's wife Carmela, about fucking Richie Aprile and about how like he let she lets him hold a gun to her head. And he's <laughs> Carmela's like freaking out about it. She's like, "Well, he takes the clip out most of the time, <laughs> most of the time." I'll take the clip out. What what a swell guy. Uh, and she shoots him. You know, spoiler there. She shoots him. She shoots Richie. And uh guess he left the clip in that time. Although I believe it was a revolver. So there's not really leaving a clip in for that. You just leave the fucking bullets in, man. It's uh the clip is always attached. Uh but uh, yeah, that fucking the, the Sopranos is still still good, still holds up. It is really funny though. It's so dated now. You know, it's like twenty years old. It came out in uh, ninety eight. I mean, it's not. You know, it's it's getting there. It's it's getting pretty old. Why well, it's over twenty years old? Yeah, it's uh shit. It's going on shit in twenty twenty. It'll be fucking thirty years. Or no, it came out in '99, I believe. Either way, I mean, it's it's pushing, pushing. Uh, well, we got eight eight more years. It'll be thirty years. So it's just it's just over twenty years. But good lord, man. Good lord. 
so so good. So many good scenes. I had forgotten about a lot of the stuff. And when Christopher gets shot, it's Christopher Malasanti by the Babalakwa kid. That's uh, that's good stuff. He was uh, uh, the actor that played in uh, A Bronx Tales, the main protagonist. He was uh, who uh, had some issues in real life. He went to jail for uh, assault or something. I don't remember what it was. He apparently had some drug problems and uh, had had some issues, uh, some real uh, issues. But uh, Sopranos still still good stuff. I. I I still love uh, Stephen Van Zandt's character, Silvio. I mean, he's he's so fucking good. Him and Paulie Walnuts. That's good shit. There's, you know, there's there's some good comedy in The Sopranos. With the darkness come some laughs. And, uh, there, of course, this, oh, I had forgotten as well about these, uh, the great bit where uh, Paulie goes to a psychic. And the psychic knows the name of a guy that Paulie killed and he confronts him about it. <laughs> of course freaks Paulie the fuck out. That's fucking good shit. Paulie. Paulie Walnuts. Uh fantastic stuff. I'm still kinda like, well, you know what, maybe I should go to the movies tomorrow night, watch Halloween. But uh, you know, I need I need to save some money. I need money, period. But uh, it's like, uh, it would be kind of good, kind of nice. It is October and all, you know. Go see some uh, slasher movie. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see if uh, what uh, if I mean, there's a lot of people already there. Definitely not. I don't want to be in a crowded theater. But uh, it would be nice to see some people just getting slashed. At, uh, next weekend, though, next weekend, I guess I'll probably try to record on Friday night, whereas normally I'm recording right now on Saturday night. Um, next week, uh, Jackman, the former my former roommate there at the Slapbox Bunker there, uh, their son Marcellus's uh, birthday party, which they have every year they do a Halloween-themed uh, party. His birthday was... Uh, couple weeks ago I guess at this point but uh they're having a birthday party for him and it's a haunted house so I get to there's dressing up they want me to help out so I guess I'm gonna go over there and dress up I don't I'd I'd like to get a new mask but I mean I've got several masks I guess I'll just throw one of my old old stuff on scare some kids I'm not sure how they're working it this year if they're doing in the basement again or uh the garage I think might be pretty clear they might might just do it out in the garage what sucks now is they're getting a little older now, the kids. And, you know, <laughs> they're not cool. Most of their friends, you know, are, you know, older too. So then they don't get as freaked out by it. And they, what happens when we do the haunted house for a party of kids is that they keep going through the haunted house. Now, initially, the first time they go through it, of course, and when it's real small, you don't have that much. I mean, it's not all that scary, I guess. But uh, I mean, they might get scared the first time through, but then after a while, it's like, oh, they know what's going on. Fuck, they know what's me. They're just gonna have a conversation with me. But I, I do enjoy scaring, scaring children and people in general. 
on Halloween. There's just always been fun for that. I mean, it is my favorite holiday. I love uh, dressing up. I, that's one, you know, putting a mask on for the pandemic hasn't been that hard for me. I mean, it can be kind of annoying, like especially, you know, when I wear it at work. Like, I've gotten used to it at work with, uh, I've got a, a coworker, uh, Kay, had given me this thing that she got from uh, Dollar General that uh, you loop your uh, mask onto the back of to where you don't have to keep the uh, arms of the mask on your ears because that that part really sucked for like 8 to 10 hours a day wearing a mask and having it on my ears digs in so much it hurts my ears for one thing but also gives me a headache you know wearing it to go to the store not a big deal whatever other than you know dirty looks I'm going to get from people (laughs) But uh, it when I think of like uh, when the pandemic st- started hitting, like I've gone to places before, like in Halloween, wearing a mask, and I was like, yeah, wearing a mask in public. <laughs> but there was an instance where I was wasn't exactly wearing a mask one Halloween. I was dressed as Pinhead, and uh, I had made nails, fake nails, using Q-tips. I had uh, cut off the ends of the Q-tips and then melted the Q-tip and spun it on a ceramic plate to make the nail heads and then painted them chrome. And then I used liquid latex to uh, attach them all to my head so that uh, I I was pinhead. And then uh, (laughs) I went to a friend's Halloween party and uh, I stopped at a gas station to get booze beforehand and uh, it's kind of sad to think about this now because there was a gas station attendant there who was really seemed like a really nice guy. He was a really young guy. He was like early twenties. He was just always just excited. Seemed like always excited about life. Apparently, uh, or I think it was a uh, he passed away like not too long after that. But like he, uh, I think it was a car accident. Um. Anyway, but like I went in there and <laughs> they had a sign out front that bit, that very legible sign that says please remove any masks before coming into the store <laughs> and so uh i walked in i was like does this constitute as a mask can i is it okay if i come in and like they were like just like holy shit that is fucking amazing there was uh, he was the the i can't remember his name but he was just he loved the whole Hellraiser thing. Like, I even showed my ID and stuff. Not that that would have mattered. I could have showed anybody's ID at that point. I did not look like myself. Uh, but uh, he did let me buy the alcohol. <laughs> so, so there was that. Uh, and, uh, I mean, he was... That was, like, the best reaction I think I ever got out of, like, a Halloween costume. Like, he was so fucking ecstatic. He thought it was like the coolest thing, which made me feel awesome. Like I think I I could have done it better. And after doing it, I was like, man, I like I feel like if I did it now, I, I would hopefully do better. Like I didn't layer up the liquid latex enough because you're supposed to like when you do it, you want really thick layers of that liquid latex um, on your head because you're actually carving lines into your your face because like in. In Hellraiser, uh, Pinhead there is like he's got lines carved into his head where all the nails are, and then you want thick latex to be able to do that, and also you need to attach the nails like underneath the latex there, and you got to do that via the thicker the uh, amount of liquid latex, the better. 
But uh, I haven't fucked with liquid latex in a long time. I may just fuck it up again. It was, uh, it's not the easiest thing. To do. It took a long time to do. A long time to do. And uh, I I didn't have any help. It was just me doing it, which I want, you know, I wanted to do it myself. And it took several hours to put all that shit on. It is no joke. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I'll get to, uh, hopefully scare some, some kids next weekend. And then, uh, got that to look forward to. And thinking about it, like there's nothing else really got got going on. Adam Jones still hasn't released any info on, uh, that, that damn guitar that I don't, (laughs) which is good because I guess I don't have to max out my credit card now. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's all I've really got. So as always, that is a kid in a wheelchair, not a trash can.